Welcome to the Life Christian Church Podcast, where our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. If we haven't met, my name's Ryan Moore, and I'm the pastor of care here at the Life Christian Church. Today, we continue our series titled, Cultivate Paradise. I'll be examining the theme of cultivating spiritual habits. We all have our little morning habits. We could call them our routine. It's the first things that we do in the morning. We also know about bad habits. However, today we want to look at developing spiritual habits that are good, which lead to spiritual maturity, and gives us methods on how we can know God and find rest for our soul. Let's define the word habit. A habit is a usual way of behaving, something that a person does often in a regular and repeated way. However, I want to use another definition, I think, which captures it a little bit more. A habit is something you have done so many times that your body knows how to do it better than your mind. Let me give you an example. We see some food that looks good, but may not be the best for us. You know, it's filled with saturated fats. Our mind, our will, our heart says, calories, you should stay away. Stay focused on your healthy goals. Survival. But what happens? We eat the saturated fatty food. We taste it. It tastes good. Our bodies then send a signal to our brain that says, remember what you're eating and where you found it. We learn the process the next time. Seafood, eat food, feel good, repeat. So what would be the result in our life if we developed spiritual habits that our body knows how to do better than our mind? What would happen if we read the Bible, pray, and then our body sent a signal to our brain that says, remember what you're receiving and where you found it? Would we repeat the process? Read the Bible, gain wisdom, hear God speak, pray, feel the presence of God, repeat. And so Romans chapter 12 tells us this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so renewing our minds means doing away with unhealthy thought patterns and habits and replacing them with true godly ones. So why should we cultivate spiritual habits? As Pastor Terry said last week in his message, cultivating a growth mindset, the reason we do spiritual disciplines, exercises, or habits is to grow to become more like Jesus. The disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God so he can transform us. So this morning, I want to look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 through 10, so that we're, we're motivated from Scripture on being disciplined to cultivate spiritual habits. And then I want to encourage us with some basic spiritual habits and give you a method so we are set up for success. Everybody good? Ready to dive in? All right, let's go. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 through 10 says this. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, 
train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Let me give some background on this uh, particular passage of Scripture. Discipline is often viewed through negative lenses today. The reason we don't like discipline is because we forget the purpose of discipline. Discipline can be hard. Discipline can be challenging. Discipline can be tiresome, but it can produce something wonderful as well. And so Paul wrote to a young Timothy while he was serving as his representative to the people of Ephesus. And he was telling them what to avoid and what to actually practice, how to actually live. So there were teachers in this church in Ephesus who were in error when it came to teaching biblical truth. And so Timothy was to avoid these silly myths, but to train himself in godliness. So godliness is referring to a God-honoring life, a God-honoring life. So life of righteousness and upright living. Godliness implies a close relationship with Jesus. So to be godly is to, to know Christ and to know God. Godliness comes through growing in one's relationship with Jesus Christ. So we want to embrace being disciplined because the purpose is our growth in Christ which leads us to our very first point of today. Number one, cultivate spiritual habits for the purpose of godliness. Cultivate spiritual habits for the purpose of godliness. Scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 says, rather train yourself to be godly. So the picture of this word train here is like that of a person going to the gym to work out. It's a person that, you know, maybe got to wait They're starting to do their their physical routine. Only here in the scripture, it's not a physical workout that he's talking about. He's talking about a spiritual workout for the purpose of godliness. Godliness means good practice towards God. It refers to the duties that we owe him. So he's saying discipline, workout, train yourself in duties towards God. And significantly, this is not a suggestion, but this is a command in Scripture. Godly discipline is doing something often when you don't even feel like doing it. But when we do it, we know it benefits us. It's good for us. And it's not only good for us, it's good for others as well. It's not wrong to discipline yourself, to do something that's good for you spiritually, It's not being legalistic. It's being disciplined. It's in the same way with our physical body. So if if we want to have a a better body or feel healthy, what do we do? We exercise. And it's not legalistic to exercise, but to discipline yourself to go out for a walk or go to the gym or whatever you do to feel good. It's not legalistic. It's good to discipline yourself to do that. And so the same thing is true of our what? Spiritual disciplines to read your Bible every day, or to discipline yourself to pray, or to go to church when you don't even feel like going to church, are good spiritual disciplines. So it's good for your spiritual growth and to deepen your relationship with God to do these things. 
So God commands us here to be disciplined spiritually. Think about your own spiritual life. Are you disciplining yourself for the purpose of godliness? Do you have a spiritual routine? We must cultivate spiritual habits for the purpose of godliness. But the second thing we understand today is this. Cultivating spiritual habits takes effort. Cultivating spiritual habits takes effort. We see this in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. It says, that is why we labor and strive. The original Greek word for labor means to work until you are worn out, depleted, and exhausted. And we all know what that feeling's like at the end of a long week. Whether it's in the office, at home with the kids, or at school, we know what exhaustion is. And then Paul uses this word strive, which indicates effort, and at times a struggle. So he's saying here in Scripture that it'll be, it'll be tough at times to be regular at what? Cultivating these spiritual habits. Needless to say, these words indicate that the Christian disciplines are not easy. They take work. They take discipline. And that is why they call them disciplines, because they're not things that are just going to what? We're going to fall into them easily. It's not going to happen that way. You got to work at it. You got to work hard at them because it's going to produce godly fruit in your life. You know, anything that we work at in life, if we work at it, we'll see results. We may not see results at the time that we want to see results. We may have to reevaluate some things, change things up at times. But if we put in the work, we will see results. And so it's the same thing with our spiritual disciplines. If we put in the time, we will see results. I think as believers, we have the mindset that being spiritual should be easy. Like, hey, God, I just want to be godly. Please make me godly. Bam! Overnight. But it doesn't happen that way. Because we don't always want to do the right thing at the right time. You know, it's not like we always are like, hey, I just want to put aside my selfish behaviors today. Or I love putting someone else ahead of me. Or I always exercise forgiveness and grace, even though I was offended and hurt. And we all love praying for our enemies, don't we? No, we don't. (laughs) And so that's why we need to be in what? Close contact encounters with God in the spiritual habits because he changes us. We have the world, we have the flesh, we have the enemy all working against us. So it's not going to be easy. But we have to work at the Christian life by doing the hard work daily, the work of the disciplines. Jesus found it in the Garden of Gethsemane that his disciples had a hard time at this. He says in Mark chapter 14, verse 37, could you not watch with me for one hour, Jesus asked them. It was hard work, and the enemy was working against them. This same question can be repeated then to us. Could you not watch with me? Can you spend some quality time with me today? It's not easy to do. It's not just going to happen. It takes work to be a disciplined Christian disciple. But if we put in that work, there's a reward. The reward for cultivating spiritual habits. Point number three, the reward for cultivating spiritual habits. We find that in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. It says this, 
For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Here in verse 8, the Bible says that although exercising Christian discipline will be difficult, it will also be worth it. It compares bodily discipline with spiritual discipline. It says that bodily discipline has a value. And so here you have a, you know, a person who has some type of regimen of what they do physically with weights to get in shape. And on the other side here is you know, a person getting into the Word of God. And so there's this comparison that's going on. And it doesn't say that physical discipline is bad. It just says it's only limited value. It still has value, so do it. It may improve your physical condition if you exercise. It may help you live longer. It may give you a better quality of life. It may bring blood flowing through you and to your brain, and you may think better. So what? Do it. But as much value as bodily discipline may be, it says that godly discipline has more value. It will help you in the present life, this life here, but also in the life to come for eternity. So when we learn to walk with God through the spiritual disciplines, it helps us in this life here on earth. It gives us wisdom. It gives us insight. It gives us a better walk with God. And it gives us what? The ability to minister to others here and now. And it will continue to be a blessing, though, not only in this life, but for all of eternity. I always say this. We, we don't just do spiritual exercises for ourselves. We do spiritual exercises for others, right? Because there may be someone we need to encourage tomorrow. And so by us being disciplined to get into God's Word and to pray, we have a word for them. There may be someone who's, you know, just been treated really bad, but we can give them kindness. There's someone maybe who doesn't have hope, but we can give them a word of hope. So when we walk with God in a disciplined way, we read our Bible, we pray, we serve consistently, we will impact others. Their lives will be changed. Some will come to know Jesus, and, and they will be in heaven for eternity because of what? We were disciplined in our Christian walk. Others will grow and be taught and discipled by us, and they will be impacted for eternity as well. And so, being spiritually disciplined in the habits, spiritual habits, what? There's a reward for it. Not only now, but for eternity. Amen? Amen. I'm going to quote Ruth Halley Barton. She writes a book called Sacred Rhythms, uh, Arranging Our Lives for Spiritual Transformation. It's available in our resource lounge if you are interested in picking up a copy today. She says this in the, in the book, Sacred Rhythms. I cannot transform myself or anyone else for that matter. What I can do is create the conditions in which spiritual transformation can take place by developing and maintaining a rhythm of spiritual practices that keep me open and available to God. I love the fact she says that she wants to be open and available to God. And that's, that's key for us, to be open and available to God. Because what? When we go before the Lord, we can't transform ourselves and we can't transform others. But when we're open to God and we're saying, God, I'm here, I'm available, we create the conditions for him to, to operate and to come in to transform us and also to speak to our lives in a profound way. And so when you discipline yourself spiritually, you're impacting both yourself and others 
for eternity. So as difficult as spiritual disciplines are, maybe at times it will be worth it all, not only now, but forever in heaven. Let me give you four basic spiritual habits to practice. And I encourage you to put these habits into place, and we'll get to a method in the end. But here are four basic spiritual habits to practice. Some you're familiar with, some you're not. So I'll introduce you to um, the ones that you're not familiar with. And I think the first one is probably one that we all probably suffer and deal with from time to time, and that is this. First discipline is silence. Silence. Charles Swindoll said this. Silence is indispensable if we hope to add depth to our spiritual life. But not only was that profound and golden to Charles Swindoll, it's a great teacher, but even the cartoon character Elma Fudd says, be very, very quiet. Why? I'm hunting for rabbits. Keep that in mind. Because silence is golden. And we see the story of silence in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11 through 12. It offers us a vitally important reason to find some time for silence in our lives. The scripture says this in 1 Kings 19. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. In the story, Elijah encounters God in a sound of sheer silence. Some translations render this barely audible whisper. The translators, Hebrew translators, could only give the word um, whisper because what does, how do you define the word or how do you define silence? So to feel the full impact of this story, it helps for us to pay attention to the certain elements that took place here. Elijah is not in a good place. He has challenged the powers that be, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Jezebel wants to see Elijah's life end So he was afraid. He fled into the wilderness by himself, sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he asked that he might die. So he goes before God, just just take my life, all right? This is the sound of discouragement and despair. And so in the wilderness, Elijah encounters God, not just once, but multiple times. First, an angel, a messenger from God, speaks to him in a dream, encouraging him to take care of himself, for he has a journey ahead. Isn't that something? God will even use us in the wilderness. But the journey takes him to Mount Horab, where God meets Elijah in the questions of, Elijah, what are you doing here? What's going on in your life? What's happening with you? And so Elijah shares his deep sense of loneliness and loss, and it is then that the most direct encounter with God occurs, not in the earth, not in the wind, not in the fire, and I'm not talking about the R&B group, but (laughs) the sound of this. 
speaking in sheer silence. One would expect that God might show up in a dramatic way, boom, in a fire, but he doesn't. It certainly would have helped Elijah, who was feeling alone and dejected, to see God in some spectacular way. Instead, God arrives in the unexpected fashion, in quiet and silence. I want to encourage us to do at least 30 seconds every day and add more as you go. Because we need to slow down if we want to hear from God. It's a walk with God, not a run. When you're walking, you see more of the details of life. And God says, I have life in abundance for you, but you got to slow down because I want to talk to you. And he's going to talk to us in the silence. Elijah's not immediately changed in a dramatic fashion either. But something has happened. For God gives him some direction, and Elijah has changed enough that God sends him back to work in the sheer sound of silence. And so, TLCC, be very, very quiet. Why? God is trying to speak to us in the moments of silence and quiet. Not only may God be trying to speak to us, but I trust that in that silence, God is also changing us in that very moment, transforming our lives. So incorporate silence this week in your devotionals with God. Number two, Bible reading. The God of the universe wants to speak to us in his word. What happens when we read the scripture on a daily basis. One, God's word encourages us. Oftentimes when we are struggling, we're discouraged or stressed, we seek comfort, reassurance, and hope. And we take time to read God's word, a book written for us. We're reminded of who God is, the love that he has for us, the joy that only he can provide. He encourages and emboldens our faith. Every moment we spend resting in his presence, So when you turn to the Lord, no matter what the circumstance is, he's there waiting with open arms to love us. So God's word encourages us, but God's word also challenges us. We see in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. As disciples, we are called to obediently carry out the commands of God. We are to be learners. We are to be fruit bearers. We are to be doers of the word. And so through daily Bible reading and the work of the Holy Spirit, we become more aware of God's will for our lives and the calling that he desires for us to step up and into all for his glory. When we read God's word, God's word edifies us. And that word edify means to build up. Scripture says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture 
is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, for training in righteousness. And the purpose of that is so that the man of God, the woman of God, may be complete and equipped for every good work. We have a need for edification. We must grow in the spirit, in character, and the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we've been given the best teacher, Jesus, who provided a living example for us. It is through the reading of Scripture we gain a better understanding of who Jesus is and his life. And so the dreams that God has for us, we got to get in God's Word so he can build us up and put us in the place where he wants us to be to fulfill his purposes in this life. As his faithful followers is by his example we should live. Therefore, we have no need to fear or grumble when he corrects us. Rather, we can rejoice that the God of creation loves us so much that he wants to make us the best version of ourselves for his glory. And this is the ultimate result of the edification building up process is to make him known. So, scripture reading. Number three, spiritual habit, basic, prayer, prayer. Bible reading is God speaking to us while prayer is us having a conversation with God. We pray to have more of God. We, we pray so he takes our will and bends it to his will. We pray so that we can help spread his greatness and his name all over the earth. We pray to talk to God, to relate to God, to hear from him, to make him our highest joy. But here's this amazing thing about prayer, and I think it's an encouragement to all of us. God is listening. God is listening. God inclines our ear to his people. He delights to hear and answer the prayers and the petitions of his children. He is a good, good father. The God of the universe is ready and willing to hear our prayers. That's so encouraging because when we pray and we're asking God for different things, whether it's, God, you know, please help me with my, my career decision. and God, protect my family, Lord, and, and, and bless, bless my finances, Father. And I, I pray for my family members, God. God's not in heaven going, I can't hear you. No. When we go to God and, he's, and we're saying, God, please bless my finances. Give me wisdom for this decision that I'm about to make. Watch over my children. God is going, I hear you. I'm going to fulfill that prayer request. His favor is then pointed in our direction. So when we pray, understand this, God is listening. God is not distracted. God is not preoccupied. When we come to him in prayer, he is present, and we have his ear. And so our prayer life then reveals our relationship with God. If our prayer life withers, so does our walk with him. And so these two basic ones of prayer and scripture reading, I always say prayer and scripture reading is like an oil change and a realignment. And we're all familiar with that if you drive a car, right? You get, you get your oil changed, and you get your car realigned because there's bumps in the road, right? But in the same way, we need that for our soul. And so I believe that prayer is the oil to our soul because sometimes our, our heart can just get, you know, contaminated with all the stuff 
that life can bring at us. We can get bitter, angry, mad, resentful, all those things. But if we pray, that's the oil to our soul that keeps it healthy. So we're always functioning out of a, a good oasis. And then at times things happen that we have no control over, but we get unaligned. We're not aligned with God. We're crooked <laughs> in our stance with God. And so what happens? We get into God's word and he lines us back up. And so a lot of times we may come to God and we're fragmented. Our soul is just fragmented all over the place. And we get what? We get our oil changed, we pray, and we get realigned with God through the word, and then he just brings all of it together, and we are whole. Our soul is flourishing because we got our oil changed, prayer, realignment, God's word. How do we grow in our prayer life? Here are some tips. First, plan to pray. Find a time and space where you spend dedicated time to pray. Then be real with the Lord. Share your anxieties. Share your fears. Share your anger, your desires, your passions, your joy. Approach Him with reverence and honor, but also as a caring Father who delights in your prayers. He knows what you need before you even ask Him. He knows your heart struggle. He desires to offer help. So he wants to bend your will once again to his will. And God can handle whatever you bring, and he will not turn his love from you. I always say this in my personal life. I'm always wrestling with God. And I say, I'm glad that I wrestle with God, number one, because he always wins. Number two, it's a place of intimacy. You can't wrestle somebody from afar. And number three, whatever I throw at him, he's able to handle it. So, God can handle whatever you bring to the table, and he's not turning away his love that he has for you. Pray the scriptures. Take different passages of scriptures and pray over them. Pray for others as well. There's an example of a prayer in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through 13, um, that you may want to look at and, and, and pray this week. I'll pray some of it here. Father, fill me with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so I may walk in a manner worthy of you. Help me to bear fruit in every good work, Lord. Help me increase in the knowledge of you so I may be strengthened with all power into your glorious might. And you can make it personal. You can put someone else's name in there that you may want to pray for. But it's praying God's word. And this is one way we know that the, God's word will dwell richly in us because we're praying according to his will. And if we pray according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have what we have asked for. That's what the scripture teaches us. Final spiritual habit is fellowship. It's fellowship. One of the failures in the conversation of spiritual disciplines that has been neglected is the gathering of the saints as a discipline. The fellowship of the saints is a wonderful means of grace to help us grow in Christ. The early disciples devoted themselves to what? The fellowship. We don't just merely come to church for preaching of the word, but we come for the fellowship of the saints. We come to stir one another up in love and good deeds until we see that day approaching. I'll, I'll quote Ruth Hallie Barton one more time, her book, Sacred Rhythms. She says this about spiritual transformation and why community is so important in it. It's impossible to overstate the importance of community in the spiritual formation process 
It is about quietly sharing the journey with others who are also drawn to deeper levels of spiritual transformation that enable them to discern and do God's will. Jesus chose a spiritual community to accompany him on his spiritual journey on this earth, and he defined his spiritual community as those who were willing to seek out and do the will of God. And so we have to be intentional on all the spiritual habits, and we have to be intentional about seeking out those people who are seeking out God's will and wanting to actually fulfill God's will. One of the ways that you can do that right here at the Life Christian Church is by joining a, a life group. You can go to tlcc.org groups. We have groups that meet online, in person, monthly, weekly, month, you name it. But get connected. Out of those groups, relationships are formed. Friendships are formed. And you can have people in your life that could what? Encourage you during those times that life gets at us. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. God wants to use us for the good of our brothers and sisters. When we gather together, God wants to be the means of grace to encourage us and others to hold fast to Jesus Christ. And so I don't want to leave you there. I want to give you a method in the last couple of minutes that we have to help cultivate these spiritual habits. I don't want to be like, pray, read your Bible, have silence and fellowship. Bye. No, I want to give you a method that you can succeed in this. And one of the methods that I use and I always go back to, it's called the soap method, right? And there's, there's sayings about the soap method. Hey, if you want to stay clean, you got to wash in the word, right? But it's simple. It's an acronym. Soap. S is scripture. Physically write out a Bible verse. Maybe you start with one or two Bible verses a day, you know, and then build yourself up. But start small and then build yourself up. Any discipline, you got to start small, you know? And most importantly, you're getting God's word in your heart. So start small, write out a verse, whatever verse that is that you, you're, you have in a devotional, write it out. You'll be surprised at what stands out and what God will actually speak to your heart when you slowly read his word. Then it's O, observation. What do you see in the verses you're reading? So look for words that are repeated over and over. Who's the audience that he's speaking to? What's the main lesson that we're learning here, a theme, right? Observe what's going on. What stands out to you? Maybe it's a word that stands out to you, like, whoa, wow. Put that down. Observe. Observation. Then there's A, application. What is God saying to me today? So when we open up God's Word, you know, don't go to the Word and be like, well, this Word is for my husband, my wife, and my cousin. No, 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 no. That Word is for you, right? What, uh, God, what are you saying to me today that I can actually apply right now? What changes can I make in my own life? And then P, which is prayer. Pray God's word back to him. He spoke to your heart during that time. Maybe it's a, it's a, a prayer of praise. God, I thank you for your goodness and love. I saw goodness in scripture today. Or God, I just want to be right with you. I want to be a real line. My heart's not right, but I see here you say I should be tenderhearted and forgiving towards others. Empower me today to do just that. 
So I, I encourage you to, to put this into practice this week. Put some silence, 30 seconds of silence. Add 30 seconds each day. And then do a soap method and see how God starts to speak to your heart and does immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. May I pray for all of us today? Father, we thank you because you love us so much. You're just an amazing God. We appreciate you in so many different ways. God, you want to speak to us. You want to talk to us. Forgive us for the times where we were just rushing out, didn't stop to pause and say, God, I want to hear your voice. So, Father, this day, give us your strength, your power, that we will connect with you this week to linger with you, to love you, and to hear your voice clearer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.